0: You are in for such a treat with today's episode. My guest is Tom Boyd, a content director and digital strategist for a global lifestyle brand. He is also known as Bonus Footage on TikTok and Instagram, where his content helps creators unlock their creative powers, tell better stories, and build brands. He's been writing, directing, and producing for Digital Landscapes for over 12 years. Tom hosts Creators Are Brands, a podcast that explores how storytellers are building brands online from the mindsets to the tactics and the business side. Tom is one of my go-to creators for all things content, strategy, motivation, psychology, and I am so excited to share him with you. We discuss how to develop your creative muscle and show up consistently on social media The balance between playing the social media trend game and what feels right in your gut. Choosing creative longevity over virality. How to get started on TikTok if you've been feeling the calling and haven't yet gotten started on it. How to measure the success of your content and the one vital metric that we don't talk about enough. Tom shares his content creation process and he also takes us behind the scenes on one of his most popular TikTok series as well as shares the story behind a TikTok video that unexpectedly went viral. We talk about the importance of choosing yourself over waiting to be discovered, why the key to growing on social media is being generous, the video that led to Will Smith's team reaching out to Tom, choosing internal expansion over external validation, and why it's important to get clear on your goals before creating any content online. Whether you are an entrepreneur, a healer, a coach, or an artist, or another type of creative, you're here because you have heard this calling to step up and share your voice with the world. And even though I don't often use the word brand, I like using the word presence. My mission is very similar to Tom's and it lies in empowering you to trust your voice, to trust your intuition, to show up, share your voice, and see if you can even enjoy it along the way. One of the themes of this conversation is the power of accountability. And if you're looking for a container within which you can show up and experiment and just get your content and your voice and your frequency out there, then check out episode 192. I recently hosted a live 11-day social media challenge. And if you feel inspired, I really invite you to check it out because you can reference all of the prompts, everything that I shared, And do it anytime you want, as many times as you want. If you're moved or inspired by anything that was shared in this episode, I encourage you to take out your phone, take a screenshot, and share it to your Instagram or TikTok and tag at bonusfootage and at xenia.brief. I can't wait to see how you implement all of this and take the next step on the courageous road of sharing your heart, sharing your frequency, and sharing your medicine with the world through your voice, and through your presence. I'm so excited to share with you that my number one podcasting tool since day one of this podcast, Zencaster, is sponsoring this episode. I remember when I first started my podcast, it seemed like solving a tech puzzle. But I've been using Zencaster since day one, and honestly, it's made it so easy It provides crystal clear sound and gorgeous HD video. What I love about it is that it records separate audio and video tracks for me and my guests, so the editing process is super customized. Plus, they offer secured cloud backups and I've never lost a single episode. It's super easy to use. There's nothing to download and my guests just have to click on the link and we start recording. I recently got to try their automatic post production and it's so good. I'm a huge fan of Zencaster. If you're a podcaster or you're thinking about starting a podcast, Zencaster has a special deal for my listeners. Go to Zencaster.com slash pricing and enter promo code K S-E-N-I-A, all capitals, my name, to get 30% off your first three months with Pro Account. It includes unlimited audio and video recordings, hosting up to four guests at once audio and video mixing, and unlimited English transcriptions. You get a 14-day trial and can always downgrade to the free account if you choose to. That's Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R forward slash pricing, promo code XENIA, all caps, or click the link in the show notes to get that 30% off. It's time to share your story. Hi, Tom Boyd, Creators Are Brands. Welcome to my podcast. I am so excited to connect with you. You are my absolute favorite person to go to for all inspiration, content, strategy, because, you know, I think there's so much to get into with you today when it comes to creator economy, content creation. But to me, you truly stand out as a person who is talking about things that come up when you enter this game for the long-term. The psychology of it, the emotions of it, all of the things that come up, all the ups and the downs, and you truly make it this multi-dimensional experience, which it is, instead of, you know, follow the strategy, you get the followers, you're good. I feel like the strategy very much used to be like that, but you're bringing a whole other component to it, and I'm just so grateful for it.
1: Thank you so much. I cannot wait to clip that intro and just use that to promote to my followers. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you for talking so highly of the content. It's really uh, a passion of mine. It's like the content in my videos and my content. It, it's like what I talk about with my friends, with my wife. And it's and it's been a lot of just insightful experiences of learning what it means to figuring out for me, like what it means to be putting out content and building a brand online and doing that in a sustainable, fun way with people that you love. I see myself more as a, a, a journalist than an expert. So I'm just I'm like, hey, this is what I've learned. <laughs> Most of it's my mistakes. <laughs> and then I love books too, and I love like, extracting information. I'm the type of person that like, when I read a book, like, I want to tell someone, like, oh, this, this one line here is a game changer. And I'm like, if I would share that with one person, I might as well share it with more people on the internet. So that's sort of my, my philosophy.
0: Yes, yes, yes. I'm the same way. I'm always bookmarking things, penciling things. I'm reading five books at a time. And then (laughs) I typically take that information, take things that move me and I think about it, I think about it, and then I reframe it and I see how can it be part of my work, you know? So it's a meta experience that you're in because you are both doing the experimentation yourself on your own account. And you're also sharing it and teaching others in the process. And that's what makes it real. And that's what makes it so effective is because you're not teaching something that was popular a year ago. You know The way that one would grow on Instagram five years ago or 10 years ago when I did it, or even on TikTok two years ago when my account popped is so vastly different than it is now. So speaking to it in real time, I think is what creates such resonance, you know, on your content, there's so many comments on each video. And from my perspective, this is one of the highest ways to measure your impact. It's not just the millions of views. It's not the millions of followers, but how deep do people go with you in the comments? How much do they trust you? How much do they look up to you? How much do they feel like they're buddies with you and they can discuss things with you?
1: Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I started creating this content, it was more so, you know, I, I do have a day job. I work in marketing. But previous to that, I was making content in the you know entertainment industry, then as an independent creator, then as a freelancer, then I started consulting with brands. And as I started to consult with brands more, I kind of neglected my own like creative impulse to make stuff and share it with the world. And I just... I, I wasn't feeling great about myself. I realized I needed that. So I created this account and the podcast to be an outlet for that at the beginning. And it was important for me too when, when I first started, one, like to check that box. Like, this is an outlet for me. Like, I love this. These are the conversations I'm having. These, I'm just scaling these conversations, which was enjoyable. Then I started to get some traction. And, and at the beginning, I was like very much like, all right, any video I make, it needs to be relevant a year from today. That eliminates like all of like the quick hack strategies of like the algorithm's doing this, the algorithm's doing that. Quickly realized like that does get high engagement. Like, you know, people enjoy that and like it, it targets like a very specific audience. But then I realized I was like, all right, I need to play the game a little bit. So I started peppering in some of the, you know, this is what's TikTok's doing now. This is what Instagram's doing now. Because some people do want some of that, but I just didn't want the whole brand to be that. Now, I will tell you where I'm at now. I kind of feel filthy when I do that type of stuff.
0: Give us an example of what you're talking about. What kind of trends? Yeah.
1: I mean, you see it a lot online. People saying like seven second videos, do a seven second video, put this song on, put this trend on. That's going to be completely irrelevant a year from now. I'd rather focus on building your creative muscle, strategies for creating a system for having consistent output. You no, know, the mental game, dealing with imposter syndrome, I'd rather focus on that stuff because that's, that's the stuff that I see like, you know, 10 years ago when I started is still consistent today. It's consistent across creative mediums too. Like my, um, from my wife, who's a, she's a graphic designer, to my friend who's a YouTuber, to my friend who's a musical artist. I want to talk to all three of them at the same time. And there's a lot of consistencies between like going from idea to publishing that they all run into. So I started to get into doing like more recently because it kind of, you you start to see, oh, I get more views when I talk about like the trendy stuff. (laughs) So so I started to do that and then I started doing it. I started swaying a little bit too much that way. But now I'm back to like, you know, I just want to make content for me and the people directly in front of me. It might take a little longer to build the audience, but I'm cool with that as long as I feel better about it.
0: Ooh, it's that powerful choice to not run for the quick reward, which is so tough to do in the social media economy, right? Like the, our likes, the comments, you know, percentage of engagement. I'm so happy that brands are starting to talk about it differently as well, but still very much it is currency, And when brands are considering working with creators through third-party platforms, a lot of times it's just a matter of math. And if you don't meet the math, there's nothing else that's being looked at. So I think it's gonna take some serious retraining of how we approach the whole industry to, we're talking about this off the record. There's a brand that shows up on your feed in pretty much every video. I mean, now you've been diversifying, we'll talk about that too, but there's a microphone brand that you use And that would be such a natural fit, but clearly there needs to be a person on the side of the brand that also understands the long-term game you're playing, the impact you're making, the things you're committed to, that you're not here for a quick viral video, for a quick promotion of a brand. You're here to create long-term impact and empower people to do their thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of directions to take that. I think what I have realized too, and you talked about it before, how quickly everything's changing. Within these companies, I think they're going to start building more robust ways to work with creators and influencers and like have a team dedicated to that. But right now, right now, it seems to me a lot of the companies, it's just like part of someone, one person's job. It's not their whole job to vet the best creators, to vet, you know. To uh, really build out these these campaigns with people that are like fully online with them, to get a return, not just an immediate return, just a return of like brand awareness, just like being aligned with with people that share their same values. I find it's rare because I get it a lot i don 't know if you get it, but I've had so many companies reach out to me to do that position, like to say, "Hey, can you help us get ten creators? Hey, because they see that I speak the language and I get it. And I realized most of these companies don't have an in-house person for that. They're kind of stretched thin. They don't really know how to um, speak to them and and really know what the trade-off should be and you know what what they, sh- they should give them. So I think they're all learning. Like I don't fault them for it, but like I also you know I, I did have a conversation with one of these brands, and they were like, "Oh, you're charging double than what someone double your following <laughs> uh, charges." And I'm like, all right, go work with them." Like that's fine with me. <laughs> like, like you gotta understand, like I'm I'm playing the long game. Uh, I think if you associate with like I think creators have to protect their brand. If you're gonna associate with me, know that like I'm gonna deliver for you, but also I'm not looking for a quick transaction. I'm looking to build with a brand and work with brands that are, are gonna invest, like understand their investment of what it's what it means to work with w- work with me, if that makes any sense.
0: Exactly. And something, you know, also that plays into that is I remember when it was a common practice for a brand to reach out and saying, hey, we'll pay you X amount for one post. And what I've realized over the years of doing this is for me to use all of the trust I've built with my community over a decade to promote it in this one post is you know, I got a built into 10 years of trust into the fee and through the exchange. And so I typically don't take on those one-off posts because it doesn't feel like an exchange that is joyful and that is true. So now what I'm holding the vision for is one-year deals, five-year deals. I don't know. Ten, Timing mean, 10 sounds too scary. I'm kind of a commitment phobic, but one year sounds good.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And I've realized it too. That's why like when I say I'm an explorer. So I was like, I, I'm talking about brand deals a lot and like how people should monetize. But I came from like the freelancer background. So it's very similar in the sense that you're providing a deliverable. You're, It's very much a similar relationship. It just happens to be this content is going on in your account but when I started making the content, I was like, I want to start getting brand deals so I can speak to them. So I can talk about the conversations I'm having with with these brands and share that and bring value to my audience in that way. It's been a great learning experience. and, And you quickly see that one, you're so right. There's no, I know a lot of people are attempting to build like calculators. And I think that like, like pricing calculators. And I think that, it's definitely doable. I think what needs to happen is it needs to factor in everything. Like, like so for example, when I talk to brands, I have a whole PDF of screenshots of comments of DMs of emails showing how people were emotionally responded and in, impacted by my content that's very different than someone that has 10,000 followers just because they had one random viral video like i'm having people making buying decisions changing their like you know their, their all of their habits around around creative output like if i'm doing that for someone they're going to listen to the resources that i'm sharing way differently than someone that has, you know, double my followers just because they had a random viral video.
0: 100%.
1: So that's why I think you got to show how people are actually engaging and reacting. And I don't know how you factor that into like a, like a calculator. I think that maybe it's like a way on your profile, you can show like key engagement moments. Oh, and also, I'm sure you too, like the relationship you're building on your podcast and the quality of followers, like you probably have followers that have, Way more followers than you. You know, like you have key people um, that these people are trying to reach that that are watching and and paying attention to your content.
0: Exactly. And it's not, you know, that one person's attention is more important than the other ones, but some people do have more impact and more reach and are actually going to share the podcast. And it's, you never know what kind of opportunities it's going to create. Exactly.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I just said don't measure by followers, and then I and then I said, but you have a lot of people with a lot of followers. I think, yeah, strategically positioning yourself in a way where there's people that are that have this type of connection or impact in this lane in this niche is important. So, like, I have an, one of the accounts that that follows me is is filmmakers, and they have like 1.2 million people on um, that follow them. It's the number one Instagram account for filmmakers. And they, they share my stuff a lot. And just like having them be like a, another source to like another outlet for, to, to get eyeballs on, you know, p- potential people that are, that are um, paying to be in my content, I think should be mentioned in some way.
0: <laughs> for sure. And I just want to bring in a full circle moment. I just recently had, I know you'll appreciate, when I was in the midst of being a superfood acai bowl blogger in like 2013. I released my own product, the ceramic heart-shaped bowl that symbolized self-love, and somehow it ended up in the hands of Victoria's Secret Angel, Romy Street, this beautiful Dutch girl who is now also an influencer, a woman, really. And she posted about it, and she tagged me, and she had millions of followers back then, and... I remember waking up to like a slew of new followers. At some point, there was a Vogue feature about what she eats in a day in Vogue Paris with my heart bowl in it. And it was like a whole thing, you know, and I used it for a long time to pitch the heart bowl into other places. And it became this like brand recognition point that is priceless. And just the other week, I was flying from Europe to New York and I was in Amsterdam in the lounge and I see her there. And everything in me just kind of freezes and my heart starts beating so fast. And I come up to my husband and I say, oh my gosh, I really want to tell her how grateful I am. She really made such a difference for me and like truly believing in myself and feeling seen and feeling supported by the universe through her. And he's like, listen, and he's like a very outgoing, outspoken guy. And he's like, if you don't come up to her now, there's nothing you've learned to me in the five years we've been together. And I kind of braced myself. I took a deep breath and I came up to her and I said, Romy, I love you. I'm just so grateful for, you have no idea what impact this one thing had on me. And I just said, have a beautiful day and walked away. And she was like, oh yeah, you're reckless criminals. And it was like this full circle moment of just like such gratitude.
1: Oh, that's so amazing. That's so amazing. And that's why, like I talk about this a lot in my content that all it takes is one view one person to see your content that can be like a game-changing connection for your business for your brand for like a lead i've seen it multiple times where people land full-time jobs they get these huge contracting opportunities that then they can pay their whole team on because of like one key person somewhere was impacted by it and like you know you had this one key customer that then it kind of it, you know helped you position your brand got that social validation
0: Correct. yeah validation yeah yeah
1: yeah. social cred you know this is the type of person that uses it like all of a sudden it's endorsed by you know like just one person that was impacted by this can be game changing for your brand so that's why the whole going for viral hits i don't think is necessary i I call it go for singles up the middle and i learned this because i like sports were very much like a part of my childhood and baseball was one of the sports I played. And my dad would we, talk about singles up the middle, go for singles up the middle, because when you swing for home runs, all your mechanics mess up. Like you drop your shoulder, you uppercut, and you start striking out when you swing for home runs. But when you go for singles up the middle, your fundamentals are right. You're focusing on the, you know, the mechanics of swinging the bat um, and, and like just the reps of like yeah, of focusing on like the key things that are going to get the bat on the ball, right? So I liken that to making videos. If you're swinging for viral hits, like you start reaching, you start doing stuff out of your character. You start, you know, like uh, sac- like sacrificing elements of your brand that you don't want to. And then that becomes your whole brand. So I'd rather go for like, what's true to you. What What would you say to one friend? What would you want to tell one person? Because every now and then when you're going for singles up the middle, you get enough, Bat on the ball, that it goes out of the park. And you have the foundation of that brand that you've been building with the singles up the middle. So when more people come in from that home run, they have more content to go to. And in the process, all you really need is one key person, one key share, one key uh, inflection point for your brand to take it to another level.
0: So, first comes the discipline of content. And I definitely want to know more about your process. Why don't we actually go there? What is your discipline? How do you create so much content? Do you batch it? How do you come up with new content formats and decide like how far out to go?
1: So right now I'm actually I'm in a, a moment on my content that I'm actually experimenting because I kind of got in a flow of doing, you know, sort of the same style stuff for about 6 months and then I was like, you know, for me, I don't know about you. I I know most creative people they need a little bit of variety every now and then. So for me, I was like, I'm going to do the next 100 videos where I, this is, this is how I think about it. I'm going to make 10 videos at a time, totally from like what my gut and intuition is telling me to make. Uh, and then I'm going to look At those 10 videos and say what did i learn what worked what was enjoyable and then i'm going to make another 10 and i'm going to do this to 100 and let that inform my next you know and kind of look at that as a whole sprint like a creative sprint for like this chapter for my brand for especially for the short form videos and that's freeing to me because it has a a bit of a, a constraint you know the 10 videos at a time look at three things that I learned. Like, okay, like why did the, like maybe three out of those 10 work? Then I say, what worked about them? Was it the hook? Was it this? And then say, what did I, yeah, did I enjoy it? Would I want to make that again? Because some of the stuff I'm like, it worked, but I don't want to really, like I, like I saw that it attracted a bunch of followers to my account that I actually, might not enjoy my, the future content that I'm making. You know, is this actually attracting the right audience? So I'm really seeing it as an experiment. So that's right now. But in a perfect world, when I'm creating content that is like the most enjoyable to me in my style, it's very talking head. Um, and I realize that a lot of these types of videos can all blend together. Uh, you know, you scroll through your four year you page. There's a lot of people with the nice microphones, nice cameras now, just like telling you what they think you should do. So I I always try to say like, how can I one kind of separate myself from them? And I don't know the exact answer to that, but I think it's like being very authentic. Like I have these 10 years of experience, right? Filtering these ideas, like whether I'm saying it directly I want people to be able to feel me. I want people to be able to feel like that I really care about this. And so that's the one thing, Naval Ravikant talks about this. And like the only thing that he filters his content through when he tweets is like, is this true to me? <laughs> is this true to me? And if it is, he he does it. So like that that's the one filter, but in a perfect world, this is what I do. So every morning I, would, I wake up and I like writing first thing with a cup of coffee. And I, in a perfect world, I write. How do
0: you take your coffee? I want to visualize the whole situation.
1: I do the butter coffee. Ooh, I do MCT right. oil with, with, with ghee and I blend it up with a little bit of monk fruit sweetener. <laughs> and then, I, and then I pour that on ice. I'm boozy, You know, I got a whole process, but I'm actually going to, I'm going to start doing just, just black because I feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, just, just switching it up. Uh, But like that, normally that's what I would do. So I, uh, yeah. Uh, I sit here and I like to write first thing. So all throughout the week, I have an ongoing notion doc of just quick ideas. So I'll be on a jog. I'll be shooting hoops. I'll be driving and I'll have a quick idea. I won't write it then, but I'll write like the, just like the quick five word, like sum up of what that idea is. I wonder if there's an example off top I can think of. It happens often. I'm trying to think, uh. I mean, I get a lot of inspo from like podcasts too. So like sometimes like I'll make connections and I'll say like, oh, I learned this. Okay, like uh, I like Tom you a lot. He He's the uh, guy from Impact Theory. He has a podcast. So I was reading a book, Growth Mindset, and then he talked about Growth Mindset on his podcast. I was like, oh, perfect. Like he's a creator that used this. And I was like, the impact of, this is the quick idea: the impact of uh, growth mindset on Tom Billu's career. And so, I have a whole list of them throughout the week. But then, in the morning, I actually write them. So, I spend thirty minutes writing quick outlines for each of them. This is in like an This is like when I'm like really thriving, and my output is at, at its at its best, right? Um, and then, one day a week, Saturday, I will go through and I will film all of them. So. I will film 10 of these videos, and then Sunday, like there'll be a filming day, and then the editing day on Sunday, I will edit them. I'll put the text on it. Uh, at the beginning, I was doing more thorough edits, uh, where like every single scene uh, like had like a video or an image pop up, and they were taking much longer. I realized that they might not be n- like the game on short form content is consistency and that was kind of creating a bottleneck so i've kind of simplified my edits to just one or two pictures and 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 just text that pops i've been experimenting no text i've been experimenting just the headline uh, into the phone but in a perfect week that's what it is it's ideas throughout the week from stuff that I, i like just inspires me and then in the morning actually framing the outlines and then one day shooting and then one day editing and I want. I'm getting back to that. Like you know, I you know, I, j- I just had a, a, a newborn. Uh, I have a daytime job, so right now I'm just kind of like piecing together like you know, free time um, that I can just you know get the job done. But even before this call, I filmed three videos, and after it, I'll probably put quick edits on them and uh, and and, pub- and and schedule them out the next couple of days.
0: What do you edit in?
1: I edit in Adobe Premiere.
0: And by the way, when you were saying, there's a lot of people now doing the talking head videos that you know, somewhat could be similar. And you said, you started by saying, I'm not sure what makes me stand out. And then you kind of arrived at clarity around that. And I was like, I know what makes you stand out, Tom, and exactly what it is. What makes
1: me stand out?
0: You care. There's like a warmth around you that is genuine, that you're not trying to make a viral video but you're truly sharing something you care about. And it really shows.
1: Hey, thank you for seeing that. I appreciate that. And that's good to know. That's good to know for me. Maybe it's more of like a, I think, you know, it's funny because like I said, I'm an explorer here. I'm more of a a journalist. And maybe that's just like a mental thing that I'm seeing that is like, oh, I got to totally switch it up. But maybe just my authentic voice is enough. And it doesn't mean I have to, you know, just, you know, do something brand new or, or, you know, switch the whole script. Maybe I can just continue to lean into that.
0: Not even your voice, your presence. You could literally do a video of you looking into the camera, which I know you've done a couple of those, but there's just like text and you're looking. I'm like, oh, I feel seen, you know?
1: Thank you so much. So it's funny. That's the first thing I talk about when anyone asks me anything. So about creating content, I find that my best ideas come from things I'm just genuinely curious about. And I I have this this theory that like, OK, Casey Neistat, you know, you know, Casey Neistat is
0: he's the OG YouTube vlogger,
1: the OG vlogger. I have this this theory that like, yes, he's one of the best editors, one of the best storytellers ever, ever like in the digital space. But if you notice and he talks about it more recently, too, that when he moved from New York to L.A., he kind of lost his pizzazz to create content and i think partly is because he had this genuine curiosity and care for the everyday unfoldings in new york city he was so like curious about like and that's where the care came from he was curious about what characters would show up like what stories would unfold and in la he, that doesn't present itself as much as in new york and i think like that was his like muse to follow his curiosity and his care around around creating content and if, i think if you look at like a lot of a lot of vloggers they they lean into what gives them energy and they don't have to fake it because we're not actors. Some people are actors, but I'm not an actor. It's hard for me to fake enthusiasm. So I think the first thing, and it's hard to know exactly what you're curious about and what you care about. I think it, it takes some meditation, some journaling. I love to pay attention in conversation, like podcasts like this when I'm being interviewed or when I'm talking to my wife or my good friends that are creatives. I love to pay attention to where I can feel my energy going. That's where I get a lot of my ideas. I'm like, if I, if I care about this enough to tell it, the one person with this passion then it's a great content idea.
0: Yes. I'm all about that. You know, with the podcasts, I always have an idea of where I would like it to go, but I noticed that if I come with pre-prepared notion of where exactly I want it to go, both in me and also when I'm listening to others, it feels quite sterile. It doesn't allow space for this play and exploring what feels alive in the moment that's always changing and shifting.
1: You're good at putting words to this stuff. <laughs> i i feel that uh but you're good at kind of articulating the the right words around it but yeah it does feel uh some people come to me and i'm like they're like hey how could i improve my content and i'm like the videos like it looks great the text is good the topic is even good but it, yeah there's something missing and i think like that's probably what it usually is it's just it seems like you're doing this from up here instead of down here. You know, you're doing this like because you think it's going to work, not because you actually care about it.
0: Yes, 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 exactly. So one of the things I loved about what you just shared about creating content and your process is that one of the ways you measure it is, did I enjoy making this and would I enjoy making it again? I think it's such an important metric to look at. And I'm curious, how do you view the balance between the content you loved making and you think is rad and creates long-term ripples versus what actually performs well? So for example, my account has gone viral a few times. There was a category of viral videos with moving from New York City to a tiny cabin in the forest. And there's a ton of people who Ended up doing the same after looking at that video, which is crazy, speaking about like the ripples of impact. But then there was also a video with 55 million views of an alpaca that's just chewing on camera and that was featured on TikTok's homepage worldwide (laughs) for weeks. And that is still getting comments and shares every single day, almost two years later, which blows my mind. So there's some people that followed me because of that, and I don't know, maybe they were expecting more of that, but anytime I would post more alpaca content, I love animals. I love alpacas. It kind of flops. And I'm not clear why because for me, those are some of my favorite types of videos of petting animals. So I've been really committed to stepping into sharing what I want to talk about, what makes me feel alive, noticing, you know, things in social media and empowering artists, entrepreneurs, healers, creators to share their voice with the world, no matter what. And so on Instagram, people already know me for that. On TikTok, they don't. TikTok has been more of an experimental platform where, you know, I put random stuff and like my husband has built an igloo and that went viral too, got picked up by Buzzfeed. So there was like a bunch of random, seemingly unconnected instances of when it went viral. There's some people that have been with me throughout it all that are like my diehards, but a lot of them don't really know who I am and what I'm about. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to show up from my heart and share what I care about. And if some people fall away, that's totally fine. I'd rather have a smaller group of people who truly care. So I just showed up for 11 days. I hosted this challenge, 11 days of sharing. I hosted on Instagram and then I reposted all of that on TikTok as well. And it was all about showing up. And it was like overcoming creative blocks, trusting the medicine that is meant to flow through you, showing up consistently, choosing longevity over virality, choosing to take a sacred pause when you don't know what to share and like tune back into your body, into your energy field. And it didn't get a lot of views. It didn't get a lot of engagement. And did it bring me joy? Do I know that I did what I was meant to do at the highest level I could? Yeah. So wh- where's that balance between like, you know, where I know it's reaching people and making an impact versus it just feels good in me?
1: That's a really good question. That's a really good question. Reaching an audience and making content that feels good for you. That, that's that's what I'm exploring right now. There's a couple of people that, I mean, there's a video that I made recently that I was just reading a tweet and it's like such a humbling <laughs> like thing because... I put all this time and energy into these other videos and, the, and and they'll get 700 views. And then this one is at, it's almost at a million. And I'm, the only thing I'm doing in the video is reading someone else's tweet. It's not even my idea. So it's humbling because I'm like, one, all of the stuff that I think were genius ideas like flopped, right? And then I'm just like reading this random thing that took no effort, no editing, no music, no nothing. Just me reading the tweet. But at the same time like I I look at it and I'm like all right part of my like mission is to provide these insights for content creators to to thrive to enjoy the process more and to eventually build you know some sort of sustainable income off of their brand and So I kind of positioned in my mind that I'm more of like a curator of ideas than a creator. So I'm like, all right, if I think that this, if this tweet moved me and I would text it to someone else and I would share it to someone, I might as well say it to my audience. And like, that's all I did. Like, that's why I did it. I was like, I'm turning the volume up on something that I think is insightful, even though I didn't come up with it. Um, I think like competitive me, ego me, like five years ago would have been like, nah, that's not my idea. Like, like, but like, no, it's still providing an impact. Like, I'm still saying, hey, look at this. This is a way of thinking about it. And I think it's it, it'll be helpful. So I don't know if that's like a good cross section between those, those two worlds where it's just like, okay, that works. And like, in my, I'm almost thinking like, do I just do a whole series where I'm reading tweets? <laughs> um, because like that's getting like a wider audience and then maybe some of them will continue to stay and, uh, and, and look at what I'm um, the, the, the other stuff that is like more original and like these, these more clever ideas. That's, that's what I'm trying to figure out right now myself. Um, And I think that it's it's definitely individual to to each person's experience. Like for you, like some words that jumped out to me. You like the reason you filmed the alpaca. You saw you had this experience that you wanted to share. It was interesting to you, and because of your interest from it, like the angle, the timing, the day, like it meant a lot. To, to people like just um it, it gave people seven seconds of like you know to to get out of their own heads and just enjoy this this beautiful beast and <laughs> like, um enjoying something was it, eating grass
0: it was chewing to the beat of a music it's paused and then looked you straight in the eyes and then continued chewing
1: nice and it was
0: the remember me pon me yeah yeah, juju, yeah 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 that's one of the things that created the trend yes
1: how those videos are popping off or or that one did and then the other ones didn't. You know, you know, you know what I was I learned about, especially TikTok, is I don't know if they do this. It's kind of a conspiracy. Colin and we were talking about it too. This idea that TikTok can kind of like like turn on attention and turn it off they were talking about it, And I had a sense of this. I was like, I feel like they do it strategically. Like they see someone that's showing up consistently and every now and then they'll be like, let's get them that dopamine hit. So they, so they <laughs> continue to create on the platform. And I don't know, I might be wrong. Cause if you start a new account, that's true too. Like if someone like posts like 10 videos, usually one of those first 10, they'll be like, okay, this person's showing up. Let's give them that hit. Because I have
0: noticed that. Yes.
1: Once you get that hit, you're like, oh, like my attention's here. And that's sort of what pulled me off of Instagram. So I was posting on Instagram Reels. That was actually my initial mission with bonus footage. Then I was just like, all right, I'll repurpose them and put them on TikTok. And then like one of the first 10 videos popped off and I was like, all right, this is where I'm putting my attention. It's a great question. How do you focus your time? What I would say is continue to come back and like, like Naval said, is this... It also depends on the business too, like what your goals are on social media because everyone's goals are different. Some, it's just build a following so that they can sell this certain product in this specific space. I think it all depends on sort of your goals for what these like views and engagements are actually leading back to. If it's just to like, if you're just having fun and it's a playground, I say post whatever the, whatever you want. <laughs> uh, if it's to get podcast listeners, I would try to, you know, when you make something say, if this goes viral, if this blows up, will this attract the type of audience that will end up engaging in my podcast? And that's sort of my, that that's how I positioned my goal for my shorts now. It's, I want my brand to be built around the creators, our brand's podcast. So when I make the shorts, I say, okay, if this video does well, will it attract the type of audience that could eventually be interested in a type of guests that I'm interviewing on my podcast?
0: Those are all very great questions. And one thing I've noticed with TikTok, even when there's a direct overlap of what goes viral and what the podcast content is, for example, when my series on moving out of the city to the country, buying a tiny cabin, this piece of property went viral, I did have a couple of podcast episodes that were all about that move. And yet the conversion between TikTok and podcast wasn't that visible. I find that it's even easier to get people from TikTok to Instagram or to YouTube than it is to podcast because podcast is a whole other beast.
1: Yeah. A podcast is a whole nother beast. You're asking someone to go from like a very short form, like 17 second video to in a, an hour long conversation. I think what you might be running into there is uh, like that, that is that like when i think of that content it is relatable a lot of people think about either one of those two things it's either moving into the city or moving out of the city so a lot of people are probably looking at it to be like is this a good idea or is this a bad you know like they're forming an opinion around it they might not actually have any interest in doing it though so it's like a very visual thing in short form format that works but then there's probably a lot of fallout for the people that are actually like willing to be like I wanna take that. Um, I wanna take that risk to actually move out of, you know, my 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 comfortable location that I'm currently in. I don't know. I could just be making that
0: up. Oh, for sure. And you know, when we did it, it was all about, wow, this is so exciting. We've been watching YouTube videos about tiny homes. We did it, and there were so many people saying, Oh my gosh, we want to do it too. And I think there was this interest in seeing, okay, let's let them do it first, see if it's actually a good idea. And Two years later, I came back and just a few months ago, I posted a video saying, guys, I'm fed up with tiny living. It's not for <laughs> me. I want a big house, you know? Yeah. So I think there's an element where sometimes it just takes time to play out. So the same with any kind of social media advice we get online. Actually, witness it play out. Don't take anything as a 100% truth. Apply it to yourself. And something that I'm noticing all the time is how there's some people that blow up and build careers on social media, trying different trends and actually playing the game. And there's some people that play no games, that do no trends, and just completely outside of the norm of predictable, they build something that is of huge impact.
1: Yeah, I noticed that. There's a guy named, um, what is his name? I highlighted one of his videos. He's a great example of it. It's, um, what is what is his name? Jason Terry. Jason Terry or Josh Terry plays his his Instagram and TikTok is Josh Terry plays. He's the guy that reads off of his computer. And then on the last line, he just looks at the screen and it's a format that is totally unique to him. And it's, he's reading, he's not performing. He's literally just reading stuff he wrote and it's no music, no text, like nothing. And that is like the type of brand that I, I, I want to build, where it doesn't rely on any of that stuff. I think it takes longer. He's been doing it for a while. It takes longer to get there. But once you get there, you can then build anything on that foundation.
0: Yes. And one of the things, one of the series I have noticed you do that really, in my eyes, establishes you as an expert, and I think was such a brilliant move, is give advice to brands on how to master short form video, how to master TikTok. Like Take specific brands. And then you had this whole thing where you allow people to ask them to be the next ones featured. So there would be like a whole comment battle. Who's Tom going to pick? What is your experience with doing that? What have you learned from it? And what are some opportunities that have come out of it? Yeah,
1: so that, that was crazy. So that generated a bunch of buzz and insane engagement. Like talk about engagement. There was hundreds of comments on those videos. For people asking me, they were saying hired. Hired, you're hi- you're hired. So they were hiring me for strategy, and it started with the um, the Will Smith one. I, um, I I had an idea for an NFT for his book, and I was like, oh, this is cool. Um, and, and I actually learned this from a book called "Choose Yourself" from James Altucher, and he talks about in this book how when he was trying to figure out his next move in his career, he just started developing his create his his idea muscle by coming up with 10 ideas a day. So he'd pick a random company, a random thing and just come up with 10 ideas for it and then he'd send it to them with no expectation. And he started to notice that, you know, he after 10 times of doing this like it, one of them landed him a meeting with the CEO of Twitter. A other one like, you know, they started landing like he started building these actual real-world connections off of doing this because what he was doing was marketing his way of thinking. It was less about the tactics. It was saying, oh, because other people, they could visualize, even if I don't love that idea, I like the way he thinks and how he understands our brand. So, maybe we have these other needs, these other obstacles that we could work with them on. So, forever, like, not publicly, I would do that. Like, I would just have it, like, I would, a brand that I would like, like, you know, say Shore Microphones that would pop up. I'm like, you know, what? I have five ideas for videos that they should do on their YouTube channel and I'll just send it to them. Mm-hmm. I started landing, like, job opportunities by doing that. Just showing my way of thinking and just giving out free ideas. It's, like, not something that people talk about a lot and I think... Because I am an idea guy and I enjoy that process of it. So I'm like, why don't I just do that um, with no expectation and opportunities to come? So I, I was like, you know, I, I just had this random idea for Will Smith. And I was like, you know, what, I'm going to um, just make it public. Uh, his team actually reached out to me. The president of his company reached out to me. President of Westbrook Media, uh, other people on his team, like, like on the content team reached out to me. And I was like, all right, there's something here it just started the conversation. I didn't like really work with them, but I was like, okay, there's like actually something fun here. Then another, a friend of mine said hired in the comments. And I was like, all right, I'll do one for her. And then more people kept saying hired and hired. And then the people I was doing it for, I did the one for the foodies account. They reached out to me and wanted to work with me. Like, yo, can you actually manage a, like a campaign for me? I realized like, I, like, the thi- like so I started, I was like, wait, I actually don't want to implement these things. <laughs> like, like, I don't want to manage this whole campaign. Like I'm an idea guy. Like, this is just what I think would be fun. Like you need to, your own team to do that. But I also started noticing, and this is where I was trying to figure out the next move for it. Once you start giving out free information, in this way, I started to get all these people that were saying, hired to me, hired to me and like being relentless on it. That, and, and then I look at their account and I'm like, you haven't made 10 videos. You haven't like even tried to do anything yet. Like the people I'm giving content to, it's like, yo, I've, I've put out 300 videos. I've gotten to 300,000 followers. I don't know what to do with my brand next. Like uh, most of these people that are reaching out to me, they need to focus on that were like being very persistent and kind of like to the point of like uh, entitlement around it. Like, Oh, you need to do me. How come you didn't do me? And I'm like, it started making me feel bad. I'm like, I'm not going to be like um, the real advice that you need is you need to put out a hundred videos. You need to develop your creative process. You need to figure out what your voice is, what you stand for, what you're like. There's so many other things before monetization and, and branding. So I've kind of, I put pause on that series. I want to re. I'm going to I'm going to re, like reimagine it and and continue to do that but just make it very clear that it's like for people at a certain point because I don't think any of like the monetization strategies matter until like you've developed your creative muscle enough
0: This is such an important point that I am so here for is I think a lot of the times when we talk about social media growth, the allure that brings people to that is that you can monetize it. Oh, I can sell my coaching services, I can sell this or promote that or create my own product or my online course. And yes, everything is possible through social media. I truly see social media as this miracle portal that can create connections and opportunities that would have not been available in any other age and any other possible scenario and I've experienced it myself. But you're right. Before there's any conversation about any monetization, any branding on the next level, there is that creative muscle. So what do you recommend to someone who's listening to this who is in the category of just getting started on TikTok, doesn't yet have a hundred videos, or maybe wanting to pivot and start something brand new what are those first steps to take to start creating content and showing up unapologetically?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. I do understand where those people are coming from too. And what I realized in that series is I was like, am I creating an unreal expectation for how easy it is to make money on social media? Like That's what I didn't want to portray. And I felt like I was doing that for people that haven't even started like, They'd be like, yo, hey, how do I make money on social media? You got to like, I was like in these 23 second videos, it's hard to give total context to like that whole world and like how to do it. And I was like, I'm making this look a little too easy and um, I need to scale this back and, and I'll rethink how I position this in the future. But when I talk to people, like I'm, I'm, I'm talking to my sister-in-law right now that is a, she's a music teacher and she wants to start creating content. Um, on social media around her curriculums and her like kind of PDFs that she's creating. And she's like, where do I get started? And this is exactly what I told her. One, I think the best place to get started right now, if you're starting from scratch is TikTok or anything where you can optimize short form video content. Uh, That's what all of the platforms are vying attention for. If you're a writer, I would go on, and you don't want to be on camera, I would, go on, um, I would go on Twitter. But that's not really, I don't really specialize in that. So I'm a little biased to the short form video on, on TikTok first. And the reason being is the ability to get this content in front of a new audience and how quickly it learns who your audience is. This is what I told her. I said, you need to make right now, because she's never made a video before. This is someone that's never made a video before. I need you to make 10 videos. That's all. You're not gonna think about the structure at all. Just make 10 videos, like like I said earlier in, in, in the activity, that are exciting to you around the information that you know, the specialized information you know as a music teacher, as someone that creates curriculums. And so she's doing that. So what we're gonna do after those 10 videos, then we're gonna talk about form. It's like so if if I'm learning to shoot hoops, right? You gotta take like, you know, 50 shots just to kind of feel what it feels like to not be able to make them. <laughs> And then you can start teaching with that example. So then it's saying, oh, now you got to keep your elbow in. Now you got to stand here, position your feet this way. So I say, get out there, get on the playground, make 10 videos without thinking about the engagement, the views, the structure, the lighting, anything. Just make 10 videos, get your creative muscle primed for output, output first, and then we'll look at them. And then we'll do another 10 videos. I like these 10 video sprints because in my creative mind, like, yeah, the goal is to build a, a library of a hundred, and then by a hundred, if you make these 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 structural changes every ten videos, you're going to be ten times better <laughs> or thirty times better. I don't know. Like each time you're getting you know a little bit better, but with that constraint, ten videos. Don't worry about the engagement views. Just the whole thing you're measuring on is output, creating them and putting them out, and then measure. And each time you'll refine it a little bit more for your audience for your specialized knowledge and then also for the form. So I use this analogy. I don't know how you feel about the sports analogies, but like Steph Curry, he could be he could be practicing a lot, right? But he could be practicing trick shots and like around the back and like all this stuff, but no, he practices elbow in, head behind the ball and like he starts mastering the form with the repetitions. So as you make more, you start to learn, okay, If I'm going to optimize anything in short form video, and this is what I believe, it's the first three to five seconds. So spend 90% of, like have a good idea, but then spend 90% of your time thinking about those first, even if it's 10 minutes, spend nine of those minutes thinking about the first three to five seconds. (laughs) Um, So that's what I would say for the next 10 videos. Focus on the, get really good at that hook. And then look at retention time for the next 10. And then each time, like pick one thing that you want to get better at and and, and just keep and, and keep working on that. Uh, and then it becomes second nature. Like right now, making videos for me, I don't really have to think about it. Like Steph Curry in fourth quarter, he doesn't need to think about all those things. He just gets the rock and puts it up. <laughs> um, and and he's golden. So that's what I would say. Do mini exper- a mini experiment, then say that it goes for 90 days, then look at that and say, That was 90 days where I learned how to be a better communicator online. I learned these useful skills that regardless if I continue to go with this brand, I can use for anything else, right? I call that failing with upside. So even at that point, you could look at it and say, okay, at least maybe I don't love the direction of this, but I think you'll have enough insight and information to know whether this is something... That feels good to you. Like I like being on camera. My wife doesn't like being on camera. So something that she quickly learned is when she makes content, she wants it to be over the shoulder and voiceover only. And that's fine. That works for her. And you can only figure that out by testing. And you have to give yourself that grace, that that ability to fail forward by just throwing stuff out there and figuring out how it feels to you, what works, and figure out the metrics for what works means to you. Could be like, I got a you know, 50 comments over these 50 videos that told me, hey, keep going. And and you'll get a sense of it, too. You'll start to get DMs. You'll start to get people reaching out for you to be on Um, uh, It's not always the amount of views or followers. It's people saying like, hey, this changed the way I thought about that, and uh, and I think you should do more of it.
0: I just realized what the other thing is that makes you stand out, Tom, and why people love following you.
1: (laughs) What? Run on sentences?
0: (laughs) Baseball analogies, basketball analogies. Um, On top of all of that, it's this game can feel very lonely and you make the one who is in your community feel like they're not alone like someone is also doing it. You're walking alongside them. You can hold my hand, you know, as I'm feeling lost. I know that when I'm feeling like, whoa, hold on, I need a reset. I need some social media inspiration. I haven't posted for a week. Where am I going to go? I'm going to go to Tom because I know I'm going to come away inspired. And, you know, for me, it also comes back to this idea. I love that you brought this book into the conversation, choose yourself. I haven't heard about it, I'll be checking it out because that's the concept I've been sitting with so much. After hosting the 11 Days Challenge and showing up consistently once or twice a day, then it's kind of slowed down and I'm not showing up as consistently. And the idea that keeps popping popping into my field is no one's going to come and choose me and say, hey, post, you know, it's you got to choose yourself.
1: Yes, it's so true. And you said two things. One, um, it feels like I'm someone that is able to show up and like, and help creative people be seen, like see, because I have a lot of context to those moments. Uh, I've worked with artists. I've been an artist. I've worked, you know, one thing that I kept seeing for me, like when I looked back, I was like, okay, why didn't that work? Because I would have these things happen, like someone go viral, a celebrity would wear a sweatshirt that I would create, like these things. What would happen is I would start to feel that success. And then I would hide from it because like I'd start to be seen more. And then I'd start having ideas for other things. And I realized other ideas were actually me hiding, right? Like I wasn't seeing the one through that I initially started on. So like that's the key differentiator for what I'm doing now. Like I've learned from these experiences where I'm like, okay, like I'm not going to do that what I did on the other one. So like I had to have the context of these experiences, but all through the process, I've had people that like were like, Tom, I see you. Whether or not they believe it or not, I know how important it is to feel potential seen in you, right? And I, if people have told me too, I'm good at that. Like that's something I'm naturally good at. Like one of the, the artists that I work with, my wife, like the YouTubers, like they, a lot of them say, Tom, like there's something that you said that changed my thinking on it that like just made me want to keep going. And I enjoy that because like, I'm like, I know what that feels like. I've had people, like, I, I remember, like, specific conversations where people were like, hey, by the way, like, that thing you, like, this thing that you made is, like, is like what you're saying right now, like, this is, this keeps me going, too. So, we're doing this for both for each other, you know, just someone that's saying, like, hey, I recognize this, you know, and I know that there's a lot out there that I put out and I work on all the time is, is not needing external validation, but I, I don't know if I'd categorize that in, as external validation. It's more like external cues of staying on the road, right? Like being on the road. You know, you're, you're not. I'm not. You know, sometimes you sometimes you need bumpers, <laughs> you know, like and like these these people that we come across. They're just bumpers. Like boom, all right, back on the road, bro. <laughs> so I enjoy doing. I know how important that's been for me in the process, and so yeah, I I try to show it for people. And then there was a there, that, that question was two sided there was a couple points that you, of, of being seen and then choosing the other yourself. Things. Oh, choosing yourself. Yeah. Um, it you, you said it's lonely. It is. Uh, that's a perspective that I've had that I didn't have a, a lot of my friend groups, you know, from high school, from college, like they don't get, like I can't have conversa- a lot of these conversations with you know even my my family like they like when I say I start a podcast they're like what the heck? what's that like is that like the radio like they don't like I realize like how many people don't get this this world and like I know what it feels like to spend four months on an idea put all of my energy and attention into it and then have it flop and then have people say, Hey, get a real job. Hey, go do like all of the things that uh, like come with that uh, and people looking at you like it doesn't make sense. And then I have had people like even my own family, like some of the content that I made, I remember my, my parents were so confused when I was like, you know, working in the music industry, directing music videos. they were like, what, like, you got a college degree, like just use that. Like they were so confused then and then, like my dad's a football coach, I think I told you about that. I remember there was a moment that was like a key moment for me when some of his players told me that my dad was like singing some of the songs, like the kids put the songs on the loudspeaker. the kids were singing the songs that like the videos that I made, right? And I was like. I feel that too. Like, like actually getting that stuff to be seen, and I'm like, there's no change besides choosing myself along the process. Because a lot of a lot of people, you're not going to have these people in, in your corner that understand your vision. Like, you can only really see it, and it's up to you to go for it. And then a lot of times, it's action. It's not people that like didn't believe in you. It's just hard for them to get it because it's not something that they would choose for themselves. But you choosing it for yourself and and going through with it is can be very very lonely in the process but I'm telling you it's really sweet when you stick to it and then you have start to people come come around and say oh like I I knew what you were doing all along
0: <laughs> yeah and it's this you know I feel so called out when you talk about hiding like I know exactly when I choose within myself to go in hiding and when I'm showing up and I think there's also like it's important to have grace for ourselves and honor the cycles when it is important to go and recharge <sighs>
1: So true, so incredibly true. I, I. That's why I talk about working in sprints and and not, you know, feeling like, because if you say I have to make a hundred videos, like that's why I'm like, yo, chunk it down. Like maybe make ten videos, take two weeks off, like for you to think about this and be able to look at this objectively. I do that a lot. Like this weekend, we're we're getting an Airbnb. Me and my wife were just going to get. We're like, we we need to just go put ourselves in different surroundings you know that's when we, we kind of come back feeling like we energized like just seeing different stimulus it always helps us so like that's what we're doing um and ev- even this week the last two weeks i haven't made that much content and it's because i'm like kind of in that mode right now where i feel like i'm just kind of like pulling the slingshot back a little bit <laughs> uh, just so i can like kind of let go and and, and, and kind of go in, all in on the next sprint
0: Yes. My friend Allison Charles, who's been a guest on the podcast, calls it the sacred pause. She's someone who is an author and a shaman, and she will take like three or six months off social media completely. And she really just honors that. And I think there's power in trusting that you don't have to be showing up every single second of every day to stay relevant and to stay in the conversation. It's so important to track your inner awareness and to be in connection with With what makes you feel alive. So you can actually hear the cues when they come in, because there's always coming in.
1: If you're in the river, it's hard to see it. But if you're standing on the outside, (laughs) you start to, you know, piece together, like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. This is entirely exciting to me. And sometimes too, once you start to get traction, you realize that opportunities are a lot of opportunities are distractions. And you have to get good at setting up those boundaries and saying no to things so you can continue to to focus on like the things that matter and are moving the needle forward.
0: Yes, I'm so happy you brought that up because I think it goes in the bucket of those external validations that long-term aren't that important. Some opportunities will be there for validation. Some opportunities will kind of just like dangle the candy or however you say that. the carrot. The carrot. Thank you. Yes, <laughs> but some of them will be there. In my experience, they will come in and they won't come to fruition and fully manifest. But they will come in to say, "Keep going. We see you. This is not the one. This is not the hundred percent aligned opportunity. But this is your indication. There's gonna be more. Keep working at it."
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree with that. That's that's very true in in my experience. Yeah, there's a couple things too that like couple years ago, this would have been like the dream opportunity. But like right now, I think that this would throw me off all my momentum off track for the things that like are truly fulfilling to me. And that's creating my my own content. It's funny, like we talked about that external validation too. I'm trying to figure out the balance of, because I think there's a difference. There's like a, there's like true artists and then there's creators. And I think creators are in the middle. I think artists they are more individuals who create entirely for them. This is very generalization, but like creators are people that try to find the intersection between like their stories, their experiences, their their creative direction, and what can entertain, inspire, and educate an audience. So I tr- often try to find the balance of like, how much do I pay attention to the comments, to engagement, how the world is responding without letting it, Sway my beliefs and like my alignment and and throw me off course. I don't know the answer for that and like um that's what I'm continuing to explore. A lot of musicians too, they'll come to me because I worked in that that industry for a while. They'll like ask for direction and and like the first thing I I, sometimes I forget to ask is what are your goals for this? Are you just wanting to make music that is exciting to you or do you want to make a pop hit? Uh, Because it's very different. Like a pop hit is like you have to factor in um what's catchy the format of the, the biggest pop songs like really study that space but if you just want to if this is uh just fun for you i don't like make a 10 minute song like don't put any hooks in that song and like it, you know it's very different like so it's like it's hard to give advice for everyone but the, uh, most of what i'm talking to is creators it's people that want to build an audience online and have some sort of impact in a way that like p the audience is responding to it and saying like hey this moved me uh, i got value from this in some way and you have to Think about how people are responding to it without letting it, you know, you know, this is where it is. I think it's it's information, but it's not an indication of your self-worth. I think some people can look at, oh, no one responded. Oh, I'm less than. I'm not this person. You know, I'm not like a good creator. No, it's just information. It's just information, and there's a lot of factors that go into it. Like maybe, you know, TikTok just wasn't pushing that this day, or maybe the hook wasn't working. And and I like maybe if you change this one word, it would, you know, like there's so many factors. And if you just look at it as all little information on this experiment to create more valuable stuff for your audience, I think that's where you can set it up for, for longevity.
0: A hundred percent, and... With my husband, we did 11 days of sharing in December before I ran the challenge for myself and everyone else. And that's what really kicked it off. He's an artist and he's been wanting to show up consistently for a long time. And he was like, let's just do it 11 days. So he's a fully the artist archetype you just mentioned. He just like does his crazy stuff with origami and crystals and spray paints and shiny stuff. We'll just like go off and mix the unmixable in his workshop and come up with something incredible. And I'm a creator for sure. And so I'm the one capturing it for him and posting it. And he's starting to, he got quite an audience from that. And he's starting to get a lot of comments. Like people are actually turning to him for material advice. Like, how do you mix this? How do you actually make that? How do you make that sculpture? And he's like, I just want to do what I'm doing. I don't want to be explaining anything. And I'm like, (laughs) listen, you know, and I'm going to bring him back to what you said. Like, what is your goal? And his goal is to be an artist that has, you know, shows that has, potentially NFT projects out there. And if you want to cultivate a community that cares about your work, then let them in, answer their questions, give some value, make it back and forth. And also one thing I noticed from posting those daily videos with him for him is sometimes something will perform really poorly, just, you know, from metrics perspective on TikTok and completely blow up on Instagram reels and the other way around. So Back to that person you were speaking of that is just starting and experimenting. My recommendation on top of that is try both. You just never know what's going to go how, where on different platforms.
1: Yep. And when it does, it's just information. It's just information with that I, I like to say, well, why? Like, why did it work here? Like, what, what was it about it? And sometimes, like, you're not going to, like, figure out that answer. But it's just good for me to just, you know. If the goal is to build an audience to create a brand that is going to help people in some way, like specifically for me, creators, I want to know that information so I can reach more of this type these individuals. And in the process of doing that, like you mentioned it, like there's people on TikTok. So people will get down about a video that doesn't blow up. And I've heard stories of this. People will post the same video three months later. And because of the timing or like, you know, something trending or like whatever, just like by happenstance. It blows up. So, the same video, the same thing, this time you would have been down on yourself. And this time you feel great about yourself. So, I think both of those times you need to take with a grain of salt and say, okay, like it, it's both just information. <laughs> um, and maybe, you know, maybe it's just like the finicky algorithm, but what can I control? I can control the creative part of that the output, my system on my end, my process for making it and putting my heart and my passion into it. Like those are the things that you can control. And those are the things that I think are more important to measure than the actual met- metrics. It's the importance of focusing on the things that you can control in your creative output instead of letting, letting external factors like dictate how you feel about yourself. It's just information.
0: Yes. And also to our list of ways by which we measure our success on social media, adding not just the external shifts that occur but also what's the internal alchemy what are some inner changes and growth that happened you know you had a recent post about how insecurity can actually reveal how capable we are and how whole we are and so noticing that with each time we choose to show up despite what our brain is saying despite the circumstances we become stronger in our creative muscle. We become more confident. We become more whole. And there's always something shifting within that is putting us more strongly on the path we're meant to be on.
1: Yeah. Well, what was that post I made? I can't remember that one.
0: <laughs> oh, it was good, man. It was about uh, insecurity. I'm going to link it in the show notes. Insecurity can reveal how whole we actually are. That's what I wrote down.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I write this stuff and don't remember I said it. Um, <laughs> We all have our our bouts of insecurity, and uh, I, don't, I don't even know how this plays in, but this is the, the experience for me. My older brother, right, was like an all star athlete, like a mm-hmm. v- like very good looking dude, got all the attention. Literally, like, could do no wrong, and he was like a he's a really good guy. He's like the type of dude that just does the right thing no matter what. And I'm like the middle child, and I'm like looking at him, and I'm like, I'm playing all the same positions as him. I'm wearing the same clothes. I'm, they're literally calling me little him, little Richie. And I'm like, I got to switch it up. Like like I started like, I was like, I'm playing the same position. So that's why they're comparing me. I'm wearing the same clothes. That's why they're comparing me. I started like, just started, I was like, I'm going to start experimenting with like different sports, different positions, different clothes. And that was me just trying to figure out like who I was in the the process. I don't even know how this plays into it. I don't know why I went to that story, but like, I was very insecure because I was constantly letting the world looking at the gap between us. In the process, I started to figure out the gain of, like, what I did have. And, like, not that I needed to, like, do those experiments because, like, it, it took me to do those experiences to realize that I was very much my own individual. But in the process of doing them, I realized that like I didn't need to do the other positions, to wear different clothes. Like I already was. Like you said, like from my own perspective, my own curiosities, we're all different people with different stories, different angles to share, no matter how closely we're compared to other people. And I think that insecurity comes from... This is where it comes full circle. Insecurity comes from comparing yourself to, oh, this person made a very similar video and blew up. This person they already have 100,000. And the way I see this creator world, it's less about running a race. Like in my story with my brother, I was running a race with him and people say run your own race i don't think it's a race at all i think it's a hike where everyone has different starting points everyone has different missions like on a hike when you go to a park or like a you know you know a- anywhere where people go and do these hikes at like you know natural parks you don't know where they started you don't know where they're going you don't know where like like everyone has this different experience and in the process there's no competition like if i if i'm walking by you on this hike and i say hey there's this watering hole down there you got to go see it it's not like oh he saw it first like i'm so mad it's like okay cool I'll I'll go explore that. It's just new information that we're all learning together on our own individual hikes. So for me, I had to learn that, like we're all hiking our own hike. And like once I started to process that framework, I stopped comparing myself and and having insecurity around other people in their quote unquote, races,
0: yes, and you can follow trends. You can try similar formats to what people are doing. But in the end, ultimately, what's going to make you stand out? is the you is the essence that is unique to you, is the unique medicine that you are here to bring on earth. And sometimes it is, you know, trying to be someone else that is going to reveal that to you, that contrast. I think sometimes getting off track is a vital part of the track.
1: Yeah, that's so true. That's so true.
0: Tom, I feel like we could go on for Ever,
1: he totally could, uh, and I ramble too. I go on. Feel free to cut out, or le- you can leave it all in too. If 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 you don't edit that much, like I don't. I think you talk about the Eunice, and I think that you know a lot of people see the scripted videos and and on on the shorts, and they think like, oh, he's really clever off top. You know, uh, I'm just trying to figure out this stuff, just like any any other creator out here. um And I think on social media we see like the edited, pol- polished version. So that's why I appreciate you having me on. Be able to share some of my ideas in a long format and share some of my 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 meanness <laughs> meanness. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I appreciate that, Tom. And one thing that I want to invite you to share, if you feel called to before we wrap up is either what creators are brands means to you or anything else that I didn't ask you about that you feel called to leave me and the listeners with.
1: Yeah, uh, so creators are brands is my podcast, and it is the the thing that I'm building my brand around. I love these long form conversations, and it comes from comes back to that journalistic side of the brand. I see people that are doing well online, and it, it combines two things: the creative muscle and the entrepreneurial side. Like I think creators are very much their marketing minds that have like a business sense to them and their storytellers the ones that do it well. When I meet someone like this at a party or like randomly or like through a friend, I just love, I I have so many questions. So I was like, I'm gonna make an excuse to ask these individuals questions about how they're building brands online. And that's what the show has been. And it's getting some really great traction, getting sponsors now, getting a lot of people like from big, it's mostly creators, but I'm I'm getting a lot of founders and uh, founders of companies in the creator economy reaching out to be on the show too. Uh, So they can kind of share because a lot of them, a lot of seeing a lot of creators are becoming founders of these companies. And it kind of comes like this, this beautiful, both sides of the world, like these people that are building these tools for the creators to thrive. And then the the creators themselves that are saying, Hey, this is what I learned. And I'm selfishly asking them questions so my audience can eavesdrop in and and get some answers too as they're trying to figure out clarity for their next move in their creator brand. So I would love if anyone that's listening to this to go check it out. It's on all the platforms or creatorsourbrands.com. And uh, yeah, send me a DM at bonus footage on Instagram too or comment. And uh, if you have any questions or ideas for the show.
0: I love that. That's exactly how I reached out to you. And also, if anyone's curious about Tom's full backstory, which is a pretty epic origin story, it's on the podcast as well in long form. We didn't get into it this time, but it's on the podcast. So if you made it this far, make sure you check out Tom's podcast. I'm going to link to some of the things that we shared about in the show notes on kseniabrief.com. And I hope really for everyone who's listening in this moment, my hope for you is just Take all of this and act on it. Don't just like take notes, leave it for one day, go and make that video, go and put this in your calendar, do something and then tag us both. We wanna see it.
1: I would love that. I would love that. Yeah, that that one thing that's been in the back of your mind Give yourself a, a small time constraint and say, "All right, by next week, I'm going to finish this. I'm going to put it out, and I'm just going to look at it as as information." And I, w- I would love to see I would love to see people that are like sharing their ideas and connecting with their core audience. And hey, I got to thank you so much. You're a great interviewer. This was a great experience being on your show. I've been on a lot of podcasts. You're very insightful. A uh, great. You don't just. You hear, you you, you listen and, and you break down and it felt uh, there was great flow to this whole structure so thank you so much, you're great at what you do
0: this podcast was made on Zencaster if you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action start by writing it down When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on XeniaBrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.